Hello everyone and welcome to the Constructed Criticism Network. This network is here to help you improve in Magic the Gathering at every level. From popper leagues to top 1000 mythic, we've got you covered. If you want to hear the entire network, head on over to our sponsor at PureMTGO.com where you can hear each and every show, each and every week, and check out their sponsor, MTGO Traders, and tell them that the CCMTG Network sent you. Now sit back, enjoy the show, from YouTube, podcasts, and more, here's this week's episode from ConstructedCriticism.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 158 of the Common Knowledge Podcast. I'm your host, Christian, and I'm joined by our very special guest host, Alexander Weber. Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. And how about you? Yeah, I'm doing really good. It was a long day today. I'm glad to be able to unwind and talk about Popper. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to, to talk about Popper. Absolutely. Before we got too far into the episode, I do need to remind everyone that Common Knowledge and all the podcasts on the Constructed Criticism Network are sponsored by PureMTGO.com and GameGrid. We plan on talking about some really interesting stuff in this episode, so if any of the ideas catch your fancy, any of the cards, you can go to GameGrid and use code CKMTG for 10% off. Link to their website will be in the description down below. Other ways to support the show include liking and sharing this video and subscribing to the Constructed Criticism YouTube channel. What we have here isn't enough. Feel free to check out the Common Knowledge Patreon as well. With that out of the way, let's get on with the podcast. So I know that you said that you were doing well. You've been having a good week so far. How's your uh, magic week been going? Okay, so this weekend I had a really good result. Uh, that I, I wasn't having usually, but I top forward the, the popper challenge with Boggles. It was really, really cool to to play it. And and on, on Saturday, I top 32 with Mono Black Agro. That's awesome. What made you decide to play Boggles and Mono Black this weekend? Okay, so first with Mono Black Agro, I should have played the league before playing the challenge. But I was I was going to on Friday, but I couldn't. And I think it could be a, a good option because uh, I was seeing a lot of players running snuff out on their decks. So I think that maybe it could be a way to steal the the initiative, also dodging snuff out completely. And that was my my thought. And I was running the initiative too as a way to go aggro. Not 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 sure how to to say, but yeah, to kind of um, like steal games almost from just doing something very explosive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the initiative mechanic is very aggro, so it kind of fits on the aggro with small creatures deck also. How do you think initiative differs from Monarch when you play it? Because I know when Monarch, before initiative, um, was on MTGO and became really big, Monarch was more used in like um, really grindy decks, kind of in the later portions of the game. So I'm just wondering, what do you think the difference is? Like, do you think it's just some, the way that the cards are built or the actual mechanic itself? There are a lot of difference between the two mechanics. A lot of small details that sum up 
to, to make re really different from one to another. One of the main differences when the, the trigger happens, because initiative, every time you play another creature, you trigger another time the mechanic and the, the, the effect, and you go to another another room from the dungeon. And on the monarch, no matter how many creatures you play with the with the monarch ability, you only do the the effect once a turn. So that's one of the main differences I see from from the two mechanics. I actually think the initiative, the 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 way that you have to choose a path, you can go to the left or, or from the right. I think it's way more fun to, in general, to play than the monarch that's just a boring draw card every turn. But the fact that the mechanic rewards you to play multiple of creatures with the same ability is one of the main differences from the mechanics. And usually because of that, you only play one to two monarch creatures in your deck. And initiative, you usually play, I don't know, eight to, to ten. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Just because you have more initiative creatures, you're uh, more incentivized to get them out quickly to start taking advantage of the mechanic. And they kind of ignore some game mechanics because you play the creatures and you get the effects and no matter what's happening, as long as you resolve the creature, you, you keep piling those effects on the game. I've heard a lot of players uh, compare initiative to uh, Planeswalkers. Do you think that they're really that similar? It's kind of similar in the way that you have a different effect every turn, but have some difference for sure. The, <laughs> the opponent can steal it yeah. and, and they will do the, right. the effect and not you. So I think it's not so similar, to be honest. Right. I think where a lot of people's um, kind of what they think about it, like the reason that they say that is more because it's just another mechanic that incentivizes different decisions during combat, for example, or deck building in the same way that Planeswalkers do, because the game can a lot of times revolve around Planeswalkers and other formats. It's sort of how Initiative is right now, where the game kind of revolves around that. And before Initiative, it was Monarch. And then I think just with also the added decision-making of Initiative is kind of why people think it. But I agree with you. I don't think it's uh, super similar. Yeah, one thing that could be cool it was if every let's say every initiative creature has a different dungeon it would be really really cool to to see the the game design space for for something like this but yeah that would be cool so that was the uh, mono black deck what made you uh, want to play boggles on saturday okay so the the reason i play boggles on on sunday it was because one day before on saturday i saw the lists that made top 8 and did well on the tournament and i saw the the turbo initiative and one thing that that was looking at the list and uh, and i and i saw was the lack of edict effects because they were running cast down snuff out but not edicts so this came to to my mind and Playing on Saturday, I saw that usually the, the mechanic go, uh, goes aggro a lot on you, so they pressure your life points a lot. So having the ability to play something like an armadillo cloak and gain a lot of life makes it really hard for the initiative player to race you. That was really important to, 
to gain a lot of life. Another key factor was that I saw a lot of Monohead burn with Kodatu Rebirth to steal the, the initiative and a very explosive with Monastery Sift Spear. And Aurus is very good against Mono Red decks. So that was actually the the two decks that I played almost during all the, the Swiss portion of the of the challenge. And that was a good meta call and I was lucky enough to face the, the, the good matchups. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. This weekend, I actually have a, a paper popper tournament coming up and I've been trying to decide what deck to play. I think I was telling you before the show started that I was thinking about playing either blue-black, kind of like the Turbo Initiative decks, or blue-red fairies. Um, I saw a list on the online that I've been playing some that has like a few more spell pierce and foil, but I don't know really how good that is because foil is a strong card, but you put yourself down so many resources that um, to stop their early play, if they draw, you know, just either enough lands or, you know, more fast mana and get to the initiative again, you're just so far behind that it doesn't feel like you can win. But I hadn't thought about playing Boggles, but I think, like, that might be a good decision. The problem with something like that is paper tournaments are much different than MTGO. Yeah, I, I don't know how competitive or how how the stakes are for this tournament. I would say for me that would change my, my way to, to choose the deck. If it's a very high stakes tournament, maybe I would think in a, in a way. And if it's just to have some fun, I would be playing some other deck. But but if you have the, the initiative cards, and I'm not sure if you have played with, with it, is it cool to play and see how the deck goes in, in paper? Mm-hmm. I think it would be a lot of fun to play, but probably a little bit more challenging to play on paper just because there's more to remember, of course. Yeah, so that's what we kind of have been playing this week. I know um, this episode, actually, though, we're um, talking about our favorite cards of each color from Dominaria United. You excited to talk about that? Yeah, I am. I am. How, um, before we talk about specific cards, how do you feel about the set overall? Do you think that there's a lot of good stuff? Or do you think there's uh, like very few really powerful cards? Anything fun that you see? I don't think it was a really inspiring set for Pauper. Even the the most strong card, the, the blue Fi-Fi that, that is Stolar in Terror, it's kind of, uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say, but not a very cool card to play, I guess. But yeah, I think on power level it's a little below, and on a game design perspective for the pauper cards, it was also maybe a little bit below average from a standard set. Do you like when sets are um, lower powered for pauper, or do you um, prefer them to be higher powered? One set that I, I really like was the downshifts from Double Masters. It's uh, It was really simple and cool mechanics and cards and with uh, an, an impact on the format but not a very high impact. We had Monastery Sift Spear with a high impact but usually fun cards with 
that can fit some roles like the Vampire Sovereign. It was a good creature. I guess with that, we can go ahead and jump into our favorite cards from each color. Um, if you want to just go in a Wooberg order, we can start with white. What was your uh, favorite white card? So my favorite white card was the Argiven Phalanx. Okay, so it's a six mana card with one white mana and five generic. A 4-4 with Vigilance and it costs one less for each creature you control. Actually, I I think it's really cool, but it's kind of a win more card. And I'm not sure if Vigilance is the best fit with, with the power and toughness from this card. But it was a really cool to white winny decks. Maybe with Battle Screech could be a cool one. But actually for white, there, there wasn't very cool cards besides that. Maybe the, the Benelish Sleeper is a, another cool one, but very similar to what we had in the format, both of them. They are given Phalanx is different from what, what we usually see. But yeah, for far it dies to Galvanic, can be a problem. I had a, a different white card. To me, white and green were the two hardest colors to really be excited about something in this set. But people that have uh, listened to the show for a long time know that I love a sideboard card, mm. even if they're not very good. <laughs> so I had Destroy Evil, which costs one white and one generic. It's an instant that you can choose one, destroy target creature with toughness four or greater, or destroy target enchantment. I don't think it'll see any play. But when I was looking at all the white cards, I thought that this one had the best chance. Maybe in a meta where a lot of initiative creatures are coming down early and uh, Boggles is a deck that people play, you might play this. But even then, I still don't know if you would play it in your sideboard. But it um, it was definitely the one white card that caught my eye. Yeah, and notably, it kills all the, the initiative creatures. Besides the mm -hmm. five and Underdark Explorer. But it's a really cool one. Can, can be played against makeshift munitions, can destroy Mirren Forester. That was our thoughts about um, white. Did you um, have a cool top card for blue? I know you kind of already said it. Okay, so blue, it's Stellar and Terror, it, it got to be. Actually, it's the strongest by far, but I don't like it in a, in a game design perspective because I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to explain, but it's very square i don't know how to to explain what what i don't like about this card but it's a really cool one and a really strong one to to play what decks do you think should uh be considering playing it usually it, it's a card that you want to build around it so you want to play effects like dot scour and mental misstep to to mill you two cards and have a really high density of instants and sorceries so you can play as cheap as possible but but at the same time it's an aggro creature so it's incentivize you to play some creatures to help killing the opponent and yeah so this is kind of a little bit of a conflict because you want to be aggro with with the card but at the same time you want to run a lot of instant and sorcery that usually tends to be a control perspective of the game but it's a cool one that can be played on serpentine curve on is it puzzles and can be mm -hmm. played on a uh, blue-black with Gurmag Angler and Devour of Secrets, but not with so many creatures. And you maybe 12 is the maximum number I see, but you need a lot of 
self mill cards to to fuel the the graveyard fast. I agree with everything that you said. Tolarian Terror was also um, my top card. Last month, we did a challenge on the podcast where we played nothing but blue-red X decks. So Adam played a lot of uh, Teamer Serpentine Curve, and I played a lot of uh, Grixis Control deck that um, won with a boarding party. And so every week we would play leagues or challenges with it and then talk about what we liked or what we didn't like. And it's funny that after it ended, Tolarian Terror was uh, released because I might have considered playing it in those decks that we were trying out last month. Yeah, yeah, it's a really cool card to put in control decks. Anyway, so moving on to Black, I felt like there was um, one card that was much better than the others. And even then, I don't know exactly how good it is. Not because I think the card is bad, but because I think Popper has kind of moved away from cards like this. My uh, top card was Shadow Prophecy, which cost a, a black and two generic for an instant. Um, it has domain. Look at the top X cards of your library, where X is the number of basic land types among lands you control. Put two of them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard, and you lose two life. This reminds me of a card that sees play a lot in a Pioneer. It's a blue card. I forget what it's called at the moment. It costs four mana, and then you can flash it back for seven, and you look at the top X, where X is the number of mana you spent to cast it, and do that effect. And so I think, you know, if there was like a blue-black control deck that could splash for other colors, this card would be very powerful. But I don't think Popper is at a place where a deck like that can be very good. But either way, I, um, I really like this card. I thought it was fun. An interesting design. For sure. Usually the domain decks in Popper are Naya, so maybe it could be a splash for for Naya decks. But you need to really go deep on the domain and on the five colors to use the, this effect. But I, I like to call it the Popper Jigfruit Time, because it's really <laughs> Jigfruit Time is a really powerful one. And maybe mm -hmm. this could see play with new cards coming in the future. I'm hopeful that one day uh, they will release gates with basic land types on them that enter the battlefield tap, and then maybe you can have like a like a gate stack that plays this. But as it came out of my mouth, it sounded silly. Yeah, maybe if Popper had another Nylia, what's the name? Nylia's presence effect. Mm -hmm. Maybe it could be a way to easily do the the all five domain land mm -hmm. types easily. So with that, what was uh, your favorite black card? So my favorite black card was Phyrexian Vivisector. It's a two mana with one black mana, a two-two. Phyrexian Human, whenever a creature you control dies, scry one. I think it has potential because it's kind of a free trigger whenever a creature you die. So doesn't matter if you sack it or maybe dies to removal. What I also like about this card is it triggers when itself dies. So maybe it's a, a card that maybe if you if the opponent plays a removal for it, you you have a scry to maybe smooth your next draws. But it's really good with a deck with a lot of sacrifices and small creatures. So I think it has potential on, on the future. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it does. Um, Brad, one of the old uh, co-hosts for the uh, for this show, really liked all the sacrifice decks. 
And actually, he plays a lot of uh, Pauper Commander, and he's always um, telling people about sacrifice decks in that format. I know uh, for sure at least a representative of this show is very excited about this card. Actually, sacrifice must be really good in Pauper Commander because you have a lot of recursion and... That may be a way to go over the top with all the recursion that Black has. Moving on to a red, what was your uh, top red card? So a card that I like was Smash to Dust that was seen play recently in a Grixis Affinity list. It's a sorcery that is two mana, a red and a generic, and you choose one. You can destroy target artifact, you can destroy target creature with defender and the other effect you can do one damage to each creature your opponent's control so it's a really flexible on this kind of sideboard cards like you said you you like it but in this case two effects are really useful for pauper it's the first one that destroy target artifact and the last one it's an electricery right and the second one can be useful with defenders or maybe some some defenders creature can see more play i i don't know which but maybe thermal alchemist but mainly about the first and the last effect it's funny my red card was also smashed to death i see i see i like a sideboard card i really like this because it feels like it has game against a large portion of the format it's very rare that you'll play a league or a challenge and never use it and I really like cards that give that effect, especially in League, where you're more likely to play a wide variety of decks. So I think your sideboards are normally just a little bit more broad. It's nicer to have these cards. Yeah, and it can be even be on a main deck because we see a Braid sing play in main decks, and we see Electricery sing play usually alongside decks with Faithless Looting because you can discard it and... Maybe it could be the Abraid slash Electricure for these decks. Mm -hmm. For sure. And then um, moving on to green, I said at the beginning, this is a, one of the colors that I had the hardest time with. I picked Lanawar Stalker. It cost a single green for an Elf Warrior. That's a 1-1. One, one. And whenever another creature enters the battlefield, Lanawar Stalker gets plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn. I think this is a nice aggressive option for... Um, like a mono green deck or maybe even like a like a green red aggro deck but like i don't think this card is much better than what those decks already have if better at all like i think those decks already have better options and something that i noticed about those decks is the lists are very tight already so a card has to be pretty good to break into those decks in my opinion yeah this was the same card that i chose because i, I i'm actually very very excited about this one it reminds the um... The Foundry Street Denizen, the Goblin. Mm -hmm. And it has the same problem. The, the body, it's only a 1-1. One, one, so it trades with every creature. And it can be really explosive. Even it being an elf helps for a tribal deck. And maybe it could be a, a good card for a, an elf's list that tries to, to be aggro and not very combo with distant melody and try to go very straightforward to attack a lot on the on the the first turns of the game yeah for sure i think that's a pretty good analysis of the card i hope that um people are willing to try it out but yeah and then 
from the colorless cards, I didn't really uh, see one that I liked too much, honestly. I don't know if you've found any. Um, I guess the lands are colorless um, that enter the battlefield tapped and have two land types on them. Yeah, I was looking at the one specific land that I like a lot. It was the it was the Crystal Grotto. We never had a Scry land on enters the battlefield in Pauper, so it has some uses. It can be good in Tron because it does the same effect as the Filter lands, but it has a really useful for consistency problems. The, the scry one can go a long way to, to help with, the, with card selection. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to um, review some of those cards with me. Um, actually, the uh, second thing, though, that I think we were planning on talking about some was... Uh, and we talked about it in the beginning already, the initiative mechanic. You know, I don't want you to uh, say too much or maybe some things that um, you don't want to talk about at the moment. But what do you personally think about the initiative mechanic in Popper? Because I know a lot of people think it's um, too strong. And I think it is very strong and maybe too strong for Popper. But I also think that um, just the general power level of Popper has risen a lot in the past couple of years. And so... I'm just wondering what you think the breaking point is on a power level on Popper. Yeah, so as we talk on the beginning of when we were talking about the initiative mechanic, we talk about the those details that, for example, the way the, the mechanic triggers, it's a really important thing about the mechanic and a, a really important factor about the mechanic. And actually, it surprised me a lot because I wasn't thinking the mechanic as a really aggro engine. And I was thinking about maybe being more of a value engine because I was seeing a lot of Jeskai lists playing Arakrok Sneak alongside the Ephemerate to, to try to go on the, on the last room that you look at the top 10 and you choose a creature. So I played against uh, a Jeska deck on a paper tournament and it was what happened. It went through all the dungeon and the, the opponent brought uh, a Moldrifter with Hexproof and 3 plus 1 plus 1 counters. So was, I was thinking about the mechanic as a way to, to go to the, the last room. But actually what, what surprised me on, when, I, when I saw play on MTGO was how good the, the two and the third step from the left are. The, the one that you put two plus one plus one counters and the one that, that target opponent loses five life. So actually, this is the, the main rooms for, for this dungeon that makes it very rewarding you to play very aggro with the creatures. And it actually kind of synergizes very well with the creatures itself because usually they they are tough to block as Vicious Battle Rager or our Crocus Nick. So putting plus one plus one counters is really good on these creatures. And some other creatures with the mechanic are really big as Underdark Explorer and Avenging Hunter. So those are and, and they have re relevant effects. So having those plus one plus one counters 
it's a really com combination with the creature itself and the the five life loss also is very huge to make the the game end fast that was I'm not sure if I'm missing something important but I was I wasn't thinking about the mechanic as this very aggro mechanic I agree the mechanic is a uh, really strong do you think it's um too strong for popper potentially and if you can't say I understand yeah so uh, usually I don't go very directly on the answers but I think the the mechanic is strong for sure it's very strong for sure I don't know I think you summarized the mechanic um pretty well I know a lot of players are um you know wondering what members of the uh PFP popper format panel think of it and um actually I guess I'll just go ahead and jump into it I um with your permission put out that I was going to ask for um audience members questions to ask you you know about the mechanic or the PFP or anything and I got a bunch of different versions of sort of the same one and it's basically as the popper format panel talks about these um like the initiative mechanic because i know that that's a very big thing right now but even other issues with popper um have you guys considered maybe putting out like a monthly statement no matter what about popper so you know even if the format's doing really well just kind of releasing everybody's thoughts on it that way people kind of know how you guys are feeling about the format where you're leaning yeah so we are not doing something like that eh, on the past months but it could be a good idea a good idea to um, implement and to to have some something regular to, to talk about the the format and yeah could be an uh, an option i would say that the uh, main other one that i've been seeing is about um unbans which i think different members of the popper format panel have addressed at different times but a lot of players are wondering you know if we get more mechanics like initiative or just other very powerful things that um they think players think kind of warp the format would it make more sense to maybe unban things like bonders ornament prophetic prism things like that or do you um do you guys think that bans are the best way to manage the format without unbans. I don't think this specific reason is a, a good reason to unban a card. Maybe if, uh, like you said, if you if you have a strong card or mechanic, you you bring some cards that are banned back. So I I don't think it this is the the best approach usually. So. I think usually the reasons to unban unban some cards is if they are fine on the the format and they won't impact as much the format and maybe to help uh, a deck that that is not very very good at the moment and usually if the 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 unbanned causes very little impact on the format so usually it's the the reason for for a number in general i would say but that that could be more reasons besides that this one that i said but but i wouldn't i wouldn't think as a tool to maybe if like, like the 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 question you you asked yeah um you don't think it's a good reason just because there are very powerful things in the format 
um, if those things warp the format, you don't think it's necessarily good to continue to warp it by unbanning things that have been too good in the past. Yeah, yeah that, that's a bit dangerous. Um, yeah, that was um, kind of... I didn't ask you any direct questions from uh, Discord or Twitter. I just um, kind of combined them all because they were all really about those two things. Either, um, you know, how the proper format panel plans to communicate if like differently in the future and then also about bans and unbans yeah which i'm sorry because it's kind of boring because i'm sure you uh no. get blown up on twitter about that all the time no it's but... uh, i usually don't talk so much i usually don't talk so much but but i yeah to to emphasize the that you said about communication it could be a, a, a thing that could be maybe done Can you give your thoughts on the ban that took place? So the bans this time were to see if the remaining cards with initiative are a problem or not. So we'll keep watching on Avenging Hunter and the other, especially Avenging Hunter, but the other cards with initiative, if they are a problem as well, or if it's only those four that we have banned this first time. So I believe the meta will be Affinity, I believe Burn decks like Rakdos Burn and Monohead Burn will be strong. I believe the Land Destruction decks with Avenging Hunter will be very strong. So we can have a Land Destruction based green that can be red with Boring Party or maybe black for Snuff Out. So these are the two possibilities and black gives you also, Dark Ritual, which is very valuable with initiative, as we see on this meta. And some other cards like Tolarian Terror that were seeing some amount of play. We'll see more play, I think, the, especially this card, Tolarian Terror. And let's see, and there's a lot of, of thoughts about the, the Gates deck to be a strong deck. Maybe the Boros with that, that I, I like to call Boros Bully. But also the um, the Colgate that that is a blue and white deck. Those are the those decks. I think the, they are going to be the the first the the first best decks from the format on this first moment. But we have to see how the meta will look like in the near future. And I'm looking forward to to see that. How do you think the meta will shake out? Do you think initiative could still be a problem? Yeah, absolutely. The the initiative can be a problem for sure and we're going to mo be monitoring to see if it's going to be in fact a problem in playstyle and in numbers so let's see if this is going to be the case i appreciate you a lot for coming on is there anything else that you want to talk about while you were here oh i appreciate the it was really cool to talk about the format and important that people know that we are aware of the, the the popper meta game and i was very happy and very nervous to be here but yeah it was it was cool yeah we uh really appreciate you being here you um are welcome on anytime uh, both of the times that you've been on it's been a lot of fun to talk about it but i guess that's going to do it for this episode of common knowledge if you wanted to get in touch with me you can find me on twitter at just guy dad um, you can find the show in the comments down below, or you can shoot us an email over at commonknowledgemtg at gmail.com. 
Mr. Weber's stuff are going to be both down below in the description. But also, if you don't mind, just shouting out um, any of your channels, your Twitter account, anything that you want our uh, followers to be able to find easily. Okay, so mainly it's on YouTube, my, my content. And the, the videos are in Portuguese. I usually tweet a lot. I usually tweet about results, lists, sometimes about thoughts, not so much. But YouTube and Twitter are the, the best ways to, to find me on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll make sure that there are uh, links to um, your content down below. That way, if anybody wants to look at it, they can. I do want to thank our sponsors, Game Grid and Pure MTGO again, as well as the Constructive Criticism Network for letting us be a part of it. And last, but certainly not least, thank you for listening. Take very good care of each other and never stop brewing.